the shadows in the land of death. For them a light has dawned, the light of the world has come, hallelujah, hallelujah. The word has become flesh, and now he dwells with us.
darkness now lost in light The dawn of His grace now bright Hallelujah 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 Hallelujah
not only is he the God who is with us in a name, but he's with us here right now. And he's not the God that leaves when trouble comes, when heartache comes, but it says he's the God who's close to the brokenhearted. He's close to you today. He's with us now. What a miracle, what a story that God would come to earth to be the God that we can be with in this place today. We celebrate you, Lord, and we acknowledge your presence in this place. So sing like this.
will overcome. Oh, and we will overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the Word. Our testimony, everyone overcome. Wave your hand if you got a testimony today. Come on, sing again. of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. But after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now, all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the Lord's angel had commanded him. He married her, but did not have sexual relations with her until she gave birth to a son and he named him Jesus. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod, wise men from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born King of the Jews? For we saw his star at its rising, and we have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. So he assembled all the chief priests and scribes of the people and asked them where the Christ would be born. In Bethlehem of Judea, they told him, because this is what was written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, because out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. 
Then Herod secretly summoned the wise men and asked them the exact time the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. When you find him, report back to me so that I too can go and worship him. After hearing the king, they went on their way, and there it was, the star that they had seen at its rising. It led them until they came and stopped above the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overwhelmed with joy. Entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and falling to their knees, they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their own country by another route. Well, welcome, CA. Merry Christmas to you all. You all look lovely. Now you can applaud yourself. You guys look great. Uh, it's so good to be with you. Merry Christmas. If you are a guest and visiting, we're so excited that you decided to be here with us tonight. Uh, we have connection cards in the back seats. Uh, so if you're new and you want to get connected, you can fill one out and drop it in the offering. Uh, Pastor on our team will follow up with you. And if you're new, we also have a new people's table out in the lobby. Uh, stop by there afterwards and there's a little gift for you. So if you're new grab something good. Um, I get the privilege of telling you three fun announcements, and the first one is uh, our New Year's Eve service. Uh, you're not going to want to miss this, but you do want to pay attention. It's going to be Saturday, uh, December 31st at 9 and 11.15. So mark that on your calendar. Saturday, we're coming here in the South Sanctuary. There will not be service on Sunday, New Year's Day, because we want you to be with family and loved ones. So put that on your calendar. I can guarantee you one or two of you are going to show up on Sunday because you miss this announcement, but Saturday, join us 9 and 11, 15. It's going to be great. And on that note, um, starting of the new year, we are having a new sermon series, and it's called How to Have a Great Year. Well, I mean, what more could you want, people? This is good stuff. Uh, it's going to start on January 7th and 8th, and this is going to move us into a three-week series. We're going to figure out how do we start our year right. We're going to answer, answer the questions, uh, what does it look like to have a great year? When we look at the next year, 2023, when we look back, how do we want to say that God showed up with us? What is the Lord inviting you and I to this year? We're going to explore all of that in our sermon series, so you don't want to miss the first three weeks to get your years started right with God. Uh, and then our next and last uh, announcement is men's gathering. Gentlemen in the house. Woo! Woo! Thank you. Uh, we are going to do, we, not me, I'm a woman. Uh, men are going to have a gathering January 11th. It's a Wednesday. Come out, men, hear God's word, worship, uh, be with your brothers in Christ as we start the new year out. So you are welcome to that. It's going to be in Sound Sanctuary. Don't miss it. Invite a male friend. Um, at this time, we get the privilege of giving back to a God who's been so generous to us. And so just as the Magi brought gifts to Jesus, uh, this is our chance to give back to Jesus for all that he's done for us. So if you are visiting, please feel no obligation to give. Uh, in just a second, the ushers are going to come and they're going to pass the bucket. You can also give online. Uh, and for those of you who give so generously, thank you so much. It is a blessing. Um, would you bow your heads? Would you pray with me in this service? Jesus, we are so thankful for you. You are what Christmas is all about. So, Lord, would you fix our eyes on you, Father? We thank you. We thank you, Jesus, that because of you, we have eternal life. We have hope. We have freedom. We have joy. We have love that never ends. And so, Jesus, we celebrate you this Christmas. Would you be the center and the focus? And would we fix our gaze on you? We love you, Jesus. Everyone said amen. Ushers, you can come.
Well, my name is Tom. For those of you who are visitors or guests, what an honor to have you here among us. And of course, to my CA family, what a privilege and honor to have you here. I want to welcome also those of you online, whether you're regularly with us online, maybe you're just with us uh, for this Christmas service. What a joy to have you, whether you're somewhere here in the United States, um, others of you I know uh, are in other countries around the world. And we just want to say Merry Christmas to you. I'm excited. I've been praying for our time together. I've been praying for you, and I want you to know, church, that I love you. I want you to know, those of you who are visitors or guests, that I've been praying for you as well, that God would speak to you, that God would touch you during our time. Before I come to our message, I have a fun and special announcement to make. If you were with us last Christmas, you might remember that we announced that we would be doing what I called Clean Water Bibles and Discipleship Projects in Ghana, Africa, in partnership with an organization called Compassion International. And the cost of these three different wells and the Bibles and the discipleship outreach efforts was going to be $150,000, going to impact thousands of people. Why clean water? Well, first of all, in Matthew 25, Jesus indicates that one of the marks of kingdom people is this. He said, I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I tell you the truth, when you did it to the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. This effort uh, helped over 5,000 people immediately get water and will help many more for years to come through these wells. It will reduce uh, tainted water and the diseases that can come from that. It will allow more time for education for the kids to help break the cycle of poverty. It's part of our efforts to help uplift the global poor. Bibles. Why did we include Bibles? Because Jesus once said, if you drink this water when he sat next to a well... He said, you will soon again become thirsty, but those who drink the water that I give will never become thirsty again. So we don't want to just quench a physical thirst. We want to quench a spiritual thirst as well. So in each village where we drilled a well, we gave Bibles to children and adults who didn't have one and wanted one, and we're trusting God's word that he will use it to help people drink from that water, spiritual water that Jesus gives that leads to eternal life. Thirdly, discipleship. Jesus said, go into the nations and make disciples. So part of each financial gift was specifically designed to help strengthen the lives of the people who will benefit from the wells and the Bible through the work of the local churches that we're working with in partnership in Ghana. We're partnering with trusted local indigenous Ghanaian pastors on this work. Now, all of that to say, I'm excited to share, it's taken us a year, drilling wells are not easy, but they are done. Take a look at the video. Praise the Lord. I am Prince Uswemchi, the district minister for St. Paul Church of Pentecost and the minister in charge of St. Paula Pentecost Child and Youth Development Center. We are most grateful to Christian Assembly Church Los Angeles for the support they have provided for St. Paula community. Through that support, we'll be able to solve the problem of yearly water crisis as well as outbreak of waterborne diseases. Through that same support, we have been able to establish four main discipleship groups, of which we have two in Bailey community as well as to the community. We want to use this opportunity to say thank you for putting a smile on the face of the people of St. Bala and its nearby community. 
God bless you. My name is Isaac Owusu, Project Director for Sankwala Pentecost Child and Youth Development Center. We are grateful to Christian Assembly Los Angeles for this great intervention for the people of Sankwala. The water intervention has brought so much joy to the people and children of Sankwala, where they used to walk long distance to go and fetch water. Now, they have access to portable drinking water, which is so much of a relief to us. And we are grateful to you for this wonderful gift you are giving to us. Again, we receive funds for discipleship program, which has also led many who were lost to be saved. And we are seeing fruits being bare and wonderful testimonies being given of healing and deliverance in their, their life. We are grateful to Christian Assembly for this gift. We say, may the good Lord bless you for all the things you have done for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you. My name is Bismarck Blanksenabek, I'm the Project Director for the Fufuso Child and Youth Development Center. And I would like to express a profound appreciation to the Christian Assembly Church for the support they have given us. Um, we received support to provide water for the community. Women and children were traveling long distances in search of water. Now thanks to this support, they have access to water for their family use. And then also the children are super excited for the Bible they received. Now they are having their Bible lessons each and every Friday of the week. And they are really learning and are very excited about this. So we would like to say thank you on behalf of the church, on behalf of the women and children. God bless you so much at Christian Assembly Church for this kind gesture you have done us. Me and Medina have a friend me Abawahana, Dechua. Christian Assembly Church. Medamasi bebri, we nyanko pon shramu. Aha, bebi ayeti, ense senki yebeti saa somlo. Ensu nama mamo biye yenye. Ama yasun ati asempa. Enu unti anope mi jinaha. Edi nyanko pon adeda masese Christian Assembly Church. We nyanko pon en shramu. I'm Pastor Steven, Church Partner Committee Member of New Anointing Child and Youth Development Center. We are so grateful for this borehole water given to us. It has come to solve water-related diseases problem and also the far distance that our people go and fetch water. I believe this will go a long way to enhance education in this area. God bless you. I'm Collins, Project Director for Christ Apostolic Child Development Center. Erisa, we have received your gifts. One for the discipleship program and the other one for the construction of water. The discipleship program has been successfully done and we have propagated the gospel of Christ in the communities in which we operate and in the communities around us. The water facility is still under construction and it's about 90% complete. By the end of November 2022, we will be through the construction of the water. Thank you, Christian Assembly. May God bless you all. Christian Assembly Church, thank you. God bless you. Thank you, Christian Assembly. God bless you. Thank you, Christian Assembly Church.
Isn't it amazing what we get to be part of, what God is doing in you and through you? And uh, really, we wouldn't do this, wouldn't be able to do it without God at work in each one of us. And so, can we just thank God that we get to be part of this together? So, thank you, God. I thank you that we get to do this. Well, what Christmas gift would God lead us to give Jesus to celebrate his birthday for the care of the poor this year? Church, due to your ongoing generosity throughout this year and the successful completion of the projects in Ghana, as you just saw, here's what the CA Council, our elders, approved just two weeks ago. We felt compelled in our prayers due to your generosity to up our game. You upped your generosity, we're upping our generosity. There are seven parts to this. Parts one to five, we will not be doing just one, two, or even three but we will do five clean water, Bible, and discipleship projects around the globe in 2023. One of them will be done in Brazil. One of them will be in the Dominican Republic. Two of them will be in Nicaragua. And one of them will be in the Philippines. Those projects combined will cost $260,000. We're providing 100% of the funds. Part number six of the seven parts is this. We will be doing an additional large-scale, massive, clean water Bibles discipleship project in the Philippines. This project will get clean water via filtration, Bibles and discipleship, to 4,430 families, not just individuals, but families impacting almost 18,000 people. The cost for that project alone was $394,000, of which CA will be giving 50% of it, $197,000, as a matching gift. Why a matching gift? Because we want to equip Compassion with the ability to inspire other churches and donors to join us and get involved. Part number seven, if you don't know this, there is a global food crisis that is going on right now due to the skyrocketing costs of fertilizers, due to the war in the Ukraine, and the lack of grain as a result of that war. There are currently 5,401 children at risk of malnutrition in Colombia due to the global food crisis. We will be providing food for them for multiple months. The total cost of this was going to be $150,000 more dollars, We are providing 75,000 of it, so 50% of it as a matching gift. Once again, the matching gift is designed to inspire other churches and donors to join us. This rapid relief effort is going to be joined by short-term efforts as well as long-term efforts, including um, augmenting getting more land for sustainable interventions such as rapid food growth and development. Altogether, we will be giving $532,000 to these efforts, which will impact a combined estimate immediately of 30,000 people, and over the life of the well, it'll be many more. This is above and beyond the 34 kingdom partnerships that we have both locally and globally, including 20 in our city. Um, after we announce a special project like this, God sometimes stir people who want to give to it. They ask me, is there some special fund? No, there's no special fund. It's just offerings at CA. And if that's you, you want to give, you can just do that. For those of you who give regularly back through CA, uh, this is only possible because of you. So this Christmas, we are giving Jesus a birthday gift of clean water, Bibles, and discipleship, plus emergency food to children and over 30,000 people, as Jesus himself said, when you do it unto the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you've done it unto me. How amazing is it 
that we get to be part of this. How amazing is it that we get to exponentially grow our efforts because God at work in each one of you. Will you pray with me? God, we pray now as we turn to your word that you would speak to us. We thank you for all the ways that we get to be part of the work you're doing, both locally and globally. But we know it all comes from lives that are changed and transformed by your word. So as we come to your word now, would you tenderize our hearts? Would you open our minds? Would you drop our walls? Would you change our wills? For those who are spiritually unconvinced, would you draw them to a first-time commitment to you before we're done? For those who maybe are half convinced, move them to complete commitment. For those who are already convinced completely, would you remind us again of your deep love for us, shown to us at Christmas through the birth of Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. In Jesus' name, amen. On your way in, hopefully you got a bulletin. If you did, you can flip it open to the center section. You'll see the scriptures, some of which we've already read as we read the Christmas story. You'll see other scriptures that are there that we're going to dig into throughout our time together as we go. Well, earlier we did hear a portion of the Christmas story read. The story of Christmas isn't told just one time by one person in the scriptures. It's told many different times, touching many different lives. There's Mary, there's Joseph, the angels, the shepherds, wise men, prophets, political leaders, religious old-timers, Jews, as well as Gentiles, young and old, and the list goes on. But the common thread, if you read all of it through the scriptures, is the good news of Jesus' birth, and then, and here's the important part, the invitation for each person in the story to respond in some way. So what I want to do with our time is I want to point out three invitations that come to us from God in the events of Christmas that call to us to respond in some way. The very first thing we see is this, is that Christmas invites you to believe God's word no matter your circumstances. You know, there are entire human industries that are set up to try to predict the future. We know this, right? For example, any, every NFL team has a set of scouts who try to predict how well a given college player will perform in the future. Sometimes they get it right. More often, they get it wrong. Or, or the Federal Reserve, the Federal Reserve is supposed to predict what will happen with inflation. We are living in a time when their original best predictions were dramatically wrong, right? We know that. We read the headlines. But God is not like an NFL scout, and God is not like the uh, Federal Reserve, because God never gets his predictions wrong. You can trust God's word every time, all the time, in every area of your life, no matter what circumstances you might be facing. When you read the Christmas story, all of them throughout the scriptures, what you see is that it's constantly peppered with these prophecies, predictions, some of which were made hundreds of years in advance, others which were made thousands of years in advance, that tell us about the details of the birth of the Messiah. In fact, this is one of the things that makes Christianity unique amongst all the world religions. One of my undergrad degrees is in world religions, and if you don't know it, there's no other world religion that has predictive prophecy of who the Messiah would be. God promised 
that he saw our damaged lives, our damaged world. But the good news is that at just the right time, a time of his choosing, that he would send his son and his son would offer us salvation from our sin. Now, those original promises, those prophecies, those predictions, God made more than 48 major promised ways that we could identify the one and only Messiah who would enter into history so that we wouldn't confuse him with anyone else. For example, the prophet Micah told us he would be born in Bethlehem. How many of you have been born in Bethlehem? All right, none of you are the Messiah because you weren't born in Bethlehem told us he would be born in Bethlehem. The prophet Isaiah told us that he would be born of a virgin. Genesis told us that he'd be born of the tribe of Judah. Samuel told us he'd be born of the ancestral line of King David. Hosea said that he'd have to flee to Egypt. The psalmist told us how he'd be killed. Zechariah tells us he'd be sold for 30 pieces of silver. Isaiah tells us that he'd be buried in a rich man's tomb. And I just gave you eight of the 48. I just gave you eight of the 48 that the baby in the manger fulfilled. A statistician did the math of the probability of what the odds are that someone would fulfill all 48 major prophecies written in the Old Testament, predicted hundreds or sometimes thousands of years in advance. What's the statistical probability that it's fulfilled by one person by chance? All of these will fulfilled by Christ. He came up with a number through his calculations. He has a PhD in mathematics. It is a number that is so large that we have no word for it in the English language. Let me put this into perspective. The estimated number of atoms in the known universe is a number that is one with 80 zeros after it. The odds of the events of Christmas story happening purely by chance are less than the chance of one out of a one, not with 80 zeros, because that's just the number of atoms in the known universe, but a one with 484 zeros after it. And every single zero increases it by a factor of tenfold. It's trillions of trillions of trillions of trillions of trillions of trillions of trillions and many more trillions times more than the number of atoms in the known universe. At Christmas, God is saying that I am the God of long odds. He'd be great to take to Vegas, right? Be amazing to take him with to Vegas with us. Some of you need to hear that as God's invitation of love comes to you this Christmas, what he's saying to you is, listen, if you listen to the words of my prophets and how all of that was fulfilled in the birth of Christ, you now can trust my word all the time, every time, in every area of your life. My word will guide you in your life if you will trust me. It'll teach you how to know me and how to live the life that I've designed for you. It is good for you and it will result in good from you to those around you. God's word has the power to calm you down and cheer you up at the same time. If you'll trust God's word. Some of you, you've trusted everybody else's word, but not God's word. This Christmas, the word of God has come in flesh. Jesus in the manger, God Emmanuel, just as God promised he would. 
with innumerable odds stacked against him so that you can see that you can trust God's word. The second invitation we see this Christmas is this, is that Christmas invites you to trust God's love for you no matter what you've done. Jesus grew up from the manger and once said in John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. There's only one. Gave His only Son so that everyone who believes in Him might not perish but have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son, His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. When I was younger... I remember hearing that. And I could believe that God loved the whole world. Like that, that kind of made sense to me. But I wasn't so sure that he loved me. Some of you can relate. You're thinking, I get that God could love the whole world, but, but how could God love me after what I've said, after what I've done, after the thoughts that I've thought, after the actions that I've taken? I want to help you trust and embrace this Christmas that God loves you. I brought along with me two object illustrations to help you. The first one is this. I brought with me a $100 bill. Woo! Right? This $100 bill has the image of Benjamin Franklin on it, right? Now, if I take this $100 bill and I I crinkle it up, if I drew a mustache on Benjamin Franklin, if I buried it in the dirt, if I vandalized it, guess what? It still has value, right? I mean, if, if I offered it to you, you would take it, right? No one ever asks a $100 bill, do you feel valuable? Because your value is determined on whether you feel valuable. I don't care if Benjamin feels valuable. I know he is valuable. So if he's having a bad day, it doesn't matter to me because I can still use this $100. His value isn't based on what he's feeling that day. His value is based, the value of this bill is based on the image that's on it. God created us in his image. Our sin distorts and defaces the image of God in us. It breaks our fellowship with God. It vandalizes and distorts our understanding of of who God is and of ourselves as well. And yet we still carry the image of God. We are not just valuable to God when we're already cleaned up. How do we know this? Well, God tells us it in his word in Romans chapter 5 verse 8. But God proves his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, God didn't shout his love from heaven. He proved his love on earth. Jesus, the word of God, was born in the manger. He became a vulnerable baby so that he could save us because God loves us. God loves you. The second thing that I brought along with me is my 48-year-old teddy bear. 48-year-old teddy bear. I think his name is Teddy. Well, not I think, I know. That's what I named him. Teddy, Teddy's not perfect. He's missing an eye. I probably chewed it off when I was two. He has a few rips in the back, 
that we had to sew up. His neck's a little wobbly. I was afraid to bring Teddy tonight because what might happen to Teddy? (laughs) He's had to be repaired. There's nothing valuable about Teddy. He wasn't expensive. He's not a collector's item. He doesn't do any tricks. He doesn't talk. He doesn't play any games. If I put him in a garage sale, he wouldn't get 25 cents. But here's the thing. He's valuable to me. Not because of how he looks or the condition he's in. Not because of what someone else thinks about him. I love my bear because this is my teddy bear. This is how God loves us. We are like rag dolls. We're flawed, we're wounded, we're beaten up a bit by our sin. None of our flaws are hidden before a holy God. He knows all your flaws. And yet, God loves you. And me too. It's the kind of love that actually gives worth and gives value to the object. You see, God's love doesn't love you Because you are worthy, God's love makes you worthy. This is how 1 John says it in chapter 4, verse 8. He says, for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. Here's the Christmas spark. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we love God but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, since God loved us so much, we ought to love one another. That's a powerful verse. It's way more powerful if you know who wrote it. Who wrote 1 John? Well, a guy named John. Not John the Baptist, but John the disciple. Now, if you don't know this, John and James, they were brothers These two were not discipleship material. They were brash, they were rough, they were loud, they were tough. They were fishermen with a reputation. They were not known as the two gentle lambs. They were not known as the Bible brothers. They were not known as church people. They were known as the sons of thunder. They probably rode Harley Davidson's and had leather vests. Now, we're not told why they are called sons of thunder, but just imagine what you have to do to earn the reputation that you're known as the sons of thunder. Well, we don't have to totally imagine. We get a glimpse of it in Luke chapter 9. Luke tells us that some people didn't welcome Jesus, and the sons of thunders didn't say, let's invite them to our life group and love them anyways. Here's what they actually said in Luke chapter 9, verse 54. When his disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and burn them up? (laughs) You get the picture. His whole life, John didn't just start fights. He finished them with a fury. He was known as trouble and a troublemaker. I can relate to John. Growing up, I grew up in Pittsburgh in a fairly rough neighborhood in Pittsburgh. 
they stopped having football games because there were too many drive-by shootings. And in that type of neighborhood, you do not show weakness. We had so many fistfights on my high school soccer team against one another (laughs) that they threatened to shut down the team. Over the years, I got into three fistfights at church during youth group. I'm not making this up. People in Pittsburgh, they're like, how do they let you be a pastor in Los Angeles? Like, the standards in Los Angeles for a pastor must be so low. They'll let anybody, even the youth group brawler, be a pastor. At one point, true story, I was mad at a guy, and we were at youth group, and the youth pastor must have thought we were joking. So he said, hey, go to your separate corners and come out swinging. We took two steps back. We came out swinging, throwing haymakers. He said, I thought you were joking. (laughs) It got to the point where I had a reputation. I was put in a timeout from my church youth group. You can't come for three weeks because you're in too many fights. John had that type of reputation too. But then John started spending time with Jesus. Every moment of every day, Jesus loved John. We don't know exactly when, probably took some time. But John's self-identity and self-understanding started to change. How do we know? Because John started calling himself by a different name. Three times in the biography of Jesus that he wrote in his gospel, he referred to himself as the one Jesus loved. No longer son of thunder, no longer John the hothead with anger management issues, no longer John the screw-up, John, the one Jesus loves. Having experienced the grace of God, John became a different person. But not just John. Me, too. Friend, listen to me. No matter what your parents have said, no matter how your friends make you feel, no matter where you feel short, fall short or feel short, what you thought, what you said, what you did, you are the one Jesus loves. I want you to dare to repeat this phrase after me. Here's the phrase, I am the one Jesus loves. Would you repeat that? Some of you are choking to even say it. Say it one more time. I am the one Jesus loves. It's not a statement of pride. It's a statement of truth. On this Christmas, I pray that you would open your heart and your mind and become fully convinced of Romans chapter 8, verse 38, that says, For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Brings me to the third invitation we have this Christmas. Christmas invites you to respond to God's love for you. 
Christmas is for acting on God's word and trusting in God's love. Christmas is for everyone. But sadly, not everyone takes up the invitation to act on it. I mean, we know the wise men did. We know Mary, Joseph, the shepherds, Simeon, Anna, they all did. But Herod didn't. The priest didn't. In John's gospel, John, the one that Jesus loved, he writes in John chapter 1, verse 10, Jesus was in the world, and the world came into being through him, and yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave the power to become children of God. Who were born not of blood or the will of the flesh or the will of man, but of God. And the Word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen His glory, the glory of the Father's only Son, full of grace and truth. That line, but to all who received Him, who believed in His name, He gave power to become children of God. Jesus is God with us, born as the Savior. And yet, we, we must not just hear this good news, we must respond to it. Corey Ten Boom who is famous for helping a number of Jews escape the Nazis during World War II, once said it this way, if Jesus were born 1,000 times in Bethlehem and not in me, I would still be lost. Jesus himself said in a conversation with a man named Nicodemus in John chapter 3, verse 3, Jesus answered Nicodemus, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus asked, how can that even happen? Jesus responds in verse 13 to 16, no one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. That's a title Jesus used to refer to himself. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that whoever believes in him might have eternal life. What is that even about? Well, what happened in the wilderness is that there was a a, a sin that resulted in the wrath of God, and then God said, take a serpent and lift it up on the pole, and the people that look to that are going to be healed. And that was a foreshadowing of Christ being lifted up onto the cross. When it says that he must be lifted up, it's not talking about like people singing great praises. It's talking about literally lifted up on the cross. And whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That's the Christmas part. So that everyone who believes in him might not perish but may have eternal life. What is Jesus' birth all about? The Son of God became fully human to identify with sinful humans like me, like you. But he lived a sinless life to sacrifice him in our place, himself in our place on the cross, to atone for our sins. That word atonement, break it in half, it, it tells you what it means. It means to make you at one, atone, to make you at one with God. To atone for our sin and to rise up again and conquer death and give believing sinners the gift of eternal life. Jesus volunteered for this mission and willingly endured the suffering to bring glory to his Father, to receive eventually a name that is above every name and to transform sinners into saints who glorify God. 
to make the sons of thunder, the daughters of thunder, the youth group brawlers, and all the other sins and sinners, to make them, to make us, to make me, to make you into the ones who identify as the ones that Jesus loves. You know, the more that you know that you are loved by Jesus, it changes you if you can respond to it and receive it. The more that you know that you are loved by Jesus, the more you begin to live like Jesus. You begin to love others like Jesus. And as you begin to live like Jesus and love others like Jesus, not under your own power, but because of the love that you're receiving from Jesus, this is how the world changes. This is how wells are drilled in Ghana. This is how 35,000 people in the global poor will know that they're the ones that Jesus loves because you're the ones that know that Jesus loves you and you've responded. Will you pray with me? On your way in, you got a response card. I want to invite you to grab that right now. Even if you think you aren't going to need it, you might. Father, now I ask that you would let us not just hear the Christmas story read or even a message preached, but that we would respond. For some of you, God is inviting you to just simply trust God's word no matter your circumstances. And Christmas gives you every bit of evidence you need to prove to you that an objective, historic reality that you can trust his word in every area of your life. Maybe others of you, you just in the moment we're going to give you to respond, you just need to trust God's love for you. You might not even love yourself, but that doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. God is greater than you. Trust God's love no matter what you've done. Christmas proves that God loves you. He didn't shout it from heaven. He proved it on earth. He loves you because he created you in his image and his love makes you more valuable than you could ever imagine. Others of you, you need to respond to God's love for you. Jesus says that no one can be born into the kingdom no one can see the kingdom without being born from above. But to all who received him, who believe in his name, he gave the power. This might be your moment. He gives you the power to become children of God who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or the will of man, but of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him might not perish but have eternal life. Now, this response card. There's four responses, but as we are worshiping, I felt a sense of God saying, give them a fifth response that you'll do on the back. The first one is for those of you who maybe for the very first time are saying yes to Jesus. And in a moment, Tommy's going to sing a song. And the point isn't for you to sing along with him. It's to give you space to respond to God. For some of you, for the very first time, you need to say, Jesus, save me. Forgive me of my sin. Teach me how to follow you all the days of my life. And if you pray and ask him, if you believe, he'll give you power. He'll give you power to become a child of God. Others of you, maybe you've heard this before and you've wandered away and for you it's a moment, your response is a recommitment. You doubted God's word, you doubted God's love for you, but he's saying, come on back. 
You might have walked away from me, but I didn't walk away from you. And I love you. For some of you, it's going to be the recommitment to Christ. Others of you, it's I want to be baptized. Maybe you've never been baptized. You're a follower of Jesus. Your very next step is to get baptized after you make a commitment to Christ. Lastly, maybe some of you, it's like I I need help investigating faith in Jesus. I was a hardcore skeptic. Don't check your brains at the door. You need them to follow Jesus. Bring them with you. And it might be for you that you need to check that box and we'll follow up with you and we'll help you with some resources to answer some of the intellectual questions that we might have. And here's the fifth one. On the back, it's blank. I didn't plan this uh, part. That's why it's blank. As we were worshiping, I just felt God say to me, um, tell some of them to flip the card over and write down whatever it is your prayer request is this Christmas. You can leave the front if you want it to be an anonymous prayer request. Just leave the front empty. You put your prayer request there and I'll have our pastoral team pray for you. If you want us to know who you are, put your name on the front and then if you want us to contact you, just write that next to your prayer request. Give us your information, we'll follow up. But we will pray for every single prayer requests that you write down. And so now, God, I ask that you would draw people to yourself. First time, recommitment, want to be baptized, want to investigate faith in Jesus. Help us not just hear the Christmas story, but respond. Maybe there's a prayer request we need to write down. God, I ask right now, I trust right now that you are God with us. Even in this moment, meet with us, we ask in Jesus' name. Waiting to be reborn Silently there Wondering who they're waiting for
Father, we thank you that you saw fit to send your son, Jesus. We thank you that you came freely, willingly of your own will, that you became vulnerable, God, with us to save us. Lord, I thank you for the decisions that each one who made a decision, whatever the response might have been, that you called them to respond, to trust in your word, to trust in your love, to say yes to you for the first time, to say yes to you again, to, to bring their prayer requests to you, trusting that you hear our prayers, even this Christmas. And I pray, God, that you would help us to not just respond today, but every day. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. If you filled out a card, regardless of what the response is or prayer requests in the back, when we're finished, you can take that with you and there will be buckets at the exits. Just drop it in there and uh, we'll follow up with you in the new year. We have a candle that is lit over here. Historically, it is called the Christ candle. And it's because Jesus said that he is the light of the world and that those who follow him would never walk in darkness, but would walk in the light. Underneath your seat, there's a candle that is available there for you. Because Jesus not only said that he is the light of the world, but to each one who would come to know him, he says, now you are the light of the world as well. That is how the light spreads. One decision at a time, one moment at a time. Now, I'm going to give you some instructions. Pay attention or you're going to get hot wax on you. Okay. When your candle is lit, keep your candle upright. The theological reason for that is the unlit candle bows to the lit candle. The practical reason is that lit candles, when you do this, drip really hot wax on you. So candles upright, the dark unlit candle dips symbolically saying, God, would you light my life from Jesus's life? And so, Father, even now in a sacred way, would you take this little ceremony of this Christ candle and spread your light, not just around this room, but in each one of our lives and from our lives to wherever you would send us, we pray. Lord, I say again to you, personally, me, Lord, the youth group brawler, <laughs> I bow to you again and I say, save me, keep on saving me, and may I walk in your light, and may your light be in me, that I might draw others to you as I follow you in Jesus' name, amen. Ushers, you can come, uh, now come. Savior's birth. 
I want you to just take a moment, just a moment, and look around. I want you to see how beautiful it is when each person lives by the light of Christ. Father, would you help us to do that? Now, you can extinguish your candle and hold it upright until I tell you to do otherwise. 
I'm going to say a word of blessing. Keep your hand, candle held upright. At the end of the blessing, you can put it under your seat. Here's in the tray. Here's a benediction. Like the prophets, may you trust God's word no matter your circumstances. Like the disciple John, may you be transformed from being a son or daughter of thunder to the one who identifies as Jesus, the one who Jesus loves. Like Nicodemus, may you listen to Jesus' words to be born anew. May you be filled with the wonder of Mary, the obedience of Joseph, the joy of the angels, the eagerness of the shepherds, the determination of the wise men, and may the peace of Christ, God with us, rest upon you and in you. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless you now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Merry Christmas. We love you. God loves you. Christ is born. Hallelujah. We are dismissed.